Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. During challenging times, it is easy to focus on the things that divide us. But the Apostle Paul reminds us that we are united with Christ, united in purpose, and united with each other. Enjoy this week's message. I want to welcome all of you to week six of a spiritual journey that we've been on through the book of Ephesians, chapter by chapter every week. I want to welcome all of those at our Keller campus that are serving others by sitting in those video venues. Thank you for being a part of today's service. I want to thank those going to 1230 that are making room and making space that are there in our 1230 service. And all of you that are online from our church family to so many joining every single week. Would you guys put your hands together and welcome all those that are joining in with us. And I'm so glad to see all of you and your beautiful faces today. We have been going through the book of Ephesians. We have looked at some focused places in each chapter. It's important even what I'm talking about today that you understand the progression of the book of Ephesians a little bit. I've given context in previous messages, the Apostle Paul writing from prison, this group of people that he really loves and he's wanting to see them get grounded in their faith and they will, they will become an influential group of people, a very dynamic church, dynamic families, homes, changing their city, their communities at that time. And so the Apostle Paul's writing to them and what I love about the book of Ephesians is It moves us from very practical understanding of how we relate to God to then also as we understand how God sees us, how we relate to him and understand who we are, then it starts affecting these very practical areas. We started with the theme United. You may say, why do you have that brand? It's not just a cute title. It's really a theme and a thesis of the book of Ephesians is this unity that we desire. This harmony that is found in our lives as we know God and we understand who we are in him and our identity and then how that begins to spread to these important areas of our everyday lives. And so that's where this united theme, and so we hit several themes along the way of how we are in Christ, we're included in Christ, we learn we're seated with Christ, we have authority there. We started learning about through the church how a lot of times that's dismissed in our world today, but through the church, it's God's plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. And that's how he will extend his grace into the earth to change things. And we learned a little bit about getting built up and strengthened. It's one of my passions in life, is that you would be built up and equipped, that this just wouldn't be a Saturday or Sunday event or just something you watch online but it can change not just your Saturday or Sunday, but your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, how you live your life. And so God's word has the ability to equip us for the things we care about most. And so we've just been walking through all of these themes. I wanted to camp out in Ephesians 5 for one more week, as we learned last week about the power of being filled with the Spirit, because I believe it is such an important area for our lives, a very practical area, a very needed area, that the Apostle Paul talks about here in Ephesians 5. So if you have your Bibles, a mobile device, I'm gonna put some things on the screen. Ephesians 5.31 is where we're gonna camp out. Just a few verses right there that are so important, so powerful. I warn you up front, I'm very, very, very passionate about this set of texts and about what it can do in your everyday life. We're gonna talk a little bit about getting equipped and built up in 
really a very, very central and vital area of our life. We're going to talk about the home. We're going to talk about the family. We're going to talk about the most central set of relationships that are so dynamic, so important, and so central again to your lives. We're going to talk about marriage a little bit. We're going to talk about getting equipped in some areas that really matter. My wife and I, in a few weeks, will celebrate 25 years of marriage. The Apostle Paul is going to talk about it there. We'll celebrate 25 years of marriage, and I have to tell you, a lot of things have changed in the last 25 years. Um, We were married in 1995. For some of you, you're like, that seems like yesterday, and that's not that long ago. But for all of us for a minute, in fact, I mentioned that this week in a meeting sometimes, I said, man, I'm going to talk about a little bit about how things have changed just from 1995. One of the guys in the meeting says, I was like born in 1995. I said, brother, okay, wait a minute. All right, anyway. Uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of perspective here, 1990, in that early 1990s, we are actually closer to 2050 than we are 1990. I don't know if you've thought about that. Just that. That's a little, just do the math a little bit, all right? Just add up, 2020, 2050. Some of y'all are old, okay? You're getting real old, I just sort of tell you, all right? But it's happening to all of us. But there's been a lot of changes in the last 25 years. One of them is coffee. You know, when I got married, 1995, I think Starbucks had started its chain of stores, mostly in the Northwest, about 80 of them. But most of us still at that time, It was this thought, you know, the best part of waking up was Folgers in your cup. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? When we used to drink coffee, you're old, okay? My kids now, we roll up to this special boutique coffee shop for a six to seven dollar product. I begin to take orders and they want something that is lactose free, it is soy, it's dairy free, it's almond milk. I didn't know almonds produce milk, but anyway, it's like there's so much in there. At some point, it's like so free of stuff, I'm wondering what the substance in it actually is, and it's not even coffee, okay? Are y'all with me? So we've changed a lot. Here's another big change in the last 25 years while life is moving past you. On Friday night, our entertainment involved going to one of these stores, Blockbuster. Come on, somebody. That's... That's how we got our movies. We went down and got us a blockbuster video. I pastored my first church at 21 years old, church in Central Texas. Here's the church, here's the steeple. Open the doors, there wasn't many people. But anyway, I was the pastor at 21 years old and there was what some of you don't know, there's a thing called the parsonage, okay? The phone to the church and the phone to my personal life were connected. I was literally my new young wife there on the front row batting her eyes, big brown eyes at me, preaching away on no telling what, and the phone rang, and so my wife, it just kept ringing, so she got up in the middle of the service, goes to the little office where we could hear the phone, grabs it, says hello, it was Blockbuster. (laughs) They're saying, look, the pastor has had Tombstone for like two months, and he needs to return it. I was probably preaching on integrity or something, okay? (laughs) The internet has changed our life. Around 1995, you probably had You Got Mail. Are you with me? A little dial, we had 56K modem. You were, you were moving through the internet, let's just say, okay? Dating has changed. Dating has changed. When I decided I wanted to take my wife, then at that time, not my wife, but I want to take her on a date, 
I had to call her home. I had to call her dad. I'm still old school that way. think we should keep that in play. So out of respect for her dad, I went to my parents' rotary phone on the wall. Anybody know? It had a cord that stretched to Mars. Y'all know what I'm saying? A big, long cord. And my sisters wanted to hear. So I had to go out the sliding glass door and walk out into the yard to talk on the phone. Are y'all with me? It's, just, it's Dating's changed now, by the way. I mean, you just, you don't need game today. You had to have like some personality back in my day. You know, you had to talk to the person. They had to kind of see you, you know, and you had a game. Now, brother, just text, what's up? <laughs> Want to go out, you know? By the way, COVID changed the dating thing too. I heard about a young lady the other day. She went out with a guy. She'd only met him on the internet. They, did, they went to the movies. She'd never seen him without a mask. Can I offer some pastoral wisdom? You probably want to look at the brother without a mask. I'm saying stay social distance, but brother dropped the mouth. I mean, it looked like yuck mouth. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look, you want to get a full view. Okay, y'all with me, okay? Life, life, life has changed in 25 years. Final thing that's changed is in 1995, we used Cowboys and Super Bowl in the same sentence. But anyway, we won't talk about that. We won't, we won't talk about that, but a lot has changed. We're having fun, but let me tell you this. Let me tell you what has not changed. God's picture for your marriage and for your home and his heart desire, my desire to see you equipped in this area of your life, it hasn't changed. I'll tell you what has changed along the way is more cultural pressures, more voices, more people trying to define and tell you how it works or doesn't work, the intensity of the lies, I will tell you that we've been in an intense season as a church family. I said on a Zoom call as the start of the COVID season hit, I said to our staff, I sometimes, again, you're just talking, and I believe by the inspiration, I mean, I just, I just shared this, not even knowing what we were facing. I said that the health part of this crisis will not be as significant, and I'm not minimizing anyone who's lost a loved one or that there's not a physical side to this, but I said to our staff, I said, guys, we gotta get prepared. Men and women, we have gotta get prepared right now because there's coming a relational crisis. There's coming a relational crisis as now we see our fabric of our world that was already fractured in this moment of crisis. Pressure introduces you to yourself. And so I said, there's coming a relational crisis. We pivoted, we had online, we started literally a call center with our team of people. I mean, it's like you either were part of the message or you were in the call center. We texted thousands and thousands of people. These are not just some random, per these are real life people. How can we pray for you? 65, even to now, and you can text in and we'll pray for you and we'll help you. Hear me on this, 65 to 70% of the responses, pray for my marriage, pray for my home, pray for the intensity of what's happening in my relationships, pray for my home. It was that way before the recent season, it's always been on the top of the list, but it has been magnified in the season, so with that, I know we need the word of God to remind us of God's heart and God's plan. And I wanna say, if there's someone listening to me and you believe that it's not redeemable, that it's broken, that, God, that nothing can happen, look, give God an opportunity. 
It's never too late with God. That's the great thing about him. It's never too late to let God into the most central part of your life. Ephesians 5, 31 gives us God's picture. I don't have time to show it to you, but by the way, this is not just some plucking of a random verse from scripture. This aligns with the book of Genesis, the very foundation of the Bible. Jesus affirmed this picture and Ephesians, now the apostle Paul, who understands that there's no relationship more important that is more central that affects their lives. So he's gonna talk to them about that and then he's gonna begin to talk about other relationships. By the way, we do child dedication right here. No one will have more influence over those children than those people that are standing on this stage. Every single area that we care about, Paul knows that. 16 years old on a Sunday night, my pastor let me preach my first sermon. I went to these pages in the book of Ephesians. That's how passionate and for the length of time I've been passionate about the pages in the book of Ephesians. Now, I didn't know much about what I was talking about at 16. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know a lot more by way of experience, but how many of you know that's the power of the word of God. Even a 16-year-old kid can stand up and preach on a subject not based on his experience, but based on the authority that are found in these pages right here. Little did I know I was prophesying toward my own future. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. That's covenantal language. It's not a contract, it's not an agreement. It's not a mutually beneficial set of circumstances. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100 before God, a covenant ordained by God to his wife. And the two will become one. Wait a minute, hold on, that doesn't add up. Two, one, how can two be one? It's either two or it's one, not in God's economy, not in God's picture. He says two become one. Two will become one flesh. He says, because he, he knows what we're thinking here, I love by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul's writing, he says, now this is a profound mystery. I mean, this, this requires supernatural intentionality. This requires supernatural intervention from God because in the natural, two do not become one. Two begin to say we are incompatible. Two begin to say, you're not meeting my needs. The devil will begin to lie and try to separate. In fact, that's his chief strategy, to take the one flesh and divide it and get each of you thinking as individuals, not as one flesh. So Paul says, it's a mystery. It requires supernatural understanding. The natural mind cannot comprehend. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. If you haven't read these passages we've been preaching through, you're like, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about marriage, now you're talking about Jesus. Is it Jesus or marriage? Wait a minute, marriage doesn't work without Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't work without Jesus. You're like, are we talking about Jesus or marriage? Yes. Yes, we're talking about that. Jesus and marriage, the power of Jesus Christ to love us. You say, are we talking about the church? Wait a minute, he said Christ in the church. Oh yes. The church, the place where you hear outside of every other cultural voice, God's heart for marriage. You know the one who designed it? Yeah, that place. That place where there's a reinforcement 
something that is kind of left behind in today's culture where we don't put ourselves in those atmospheres to sit under the preaching of the word of God and get around people that remind us, are we talking about the church or Jesus? Yes. You can't love Jesus and not think about the church. If you get close to the church, if it's a Bible-preaching church where Jesus is exalted, you're gonna love Jesus more. And let me tell you what what else will happen. You'll love your spouse more. You'll love them in a way that Jesus loves us. You go, why Jesus in the church? Because Jesus didn't say, you guys fix yourselves. You guys get it all right. When you can meet my needs, then I'll love you like you need to be loved. He didn't say that. He steps out of a perfect heaven, comes, and dies on a bloody cross sacrificially for a group of people who were broken and didn't know how to love him. That's why it's Jesus, the church, and marriage. What a profound supernatural mystery. He says this, I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. I haven't found as men that it's hard for us to love ourselves most of the time. We love our careers. We love our 401ks. We love our accomplishments. We love our hobbies. We love ourselves pretty good. In fact, when a man goes into, when a, when a woman many times goes to a mirror, I have lots of girls in my house, they're like, I need to change that. What about this? Well, I could fix that. When a woman looks in a mirror, she always wants to change something. A man comes with his shirt off. There are ear hairs growing to his shoulder. I mean, he looks like terrible. I mean, back hair. I mean, he'll just roll. You're looking good today. All right, well, good. I'm ready for the day. He knows how to love himself but only with the help of Jesus and a church that trains him in what marriage looks like in an atmosphere that gets him focused on what matters will make him love her like Christ loves the church. And wives must respect her husband, a fuel for a husband. When I finish preaching today, I hope it helps you. I hope you like what happens here, but For 25 years, actually before we were married, I've always had my biggest hero on the front row batting her eyes at me. And when we finish, even when I was terrible, she says, you're the best preacher that's ever walked the planet of earth. (laughs) And so I face most days because by God's grace, God introduced me to a woman who in our engagement gave me a Bible. She wrote in the front page of that Bible, Jeff, if we will submit our lives to Jesus, if we'll live under the authority of this word, if we'll let him have control of our home, if we'll let him have control of our marriage, our family will be blessed. And she speaks those words of life over me every single day. She doesn't let some other ladies around her who says, you're not getting this, he's not that, to nitpick. And I'm gonna tell you, ladies, it's fuel for that man of yours. When you say to him, not always according to what he has or hasn't done, but when you fuel him with the words from the word of God and the affirmation of your heart, it changes the dynamic of your home. And when two individuals under the banner of Jesus Christ begin to respond in the opposite way of their natural flesh, two become one. That's our word for this week, and we're going to think on it. And my prayer is if your marriage is broken, two can become one. If you're single, you'll start getting the biblical picture because in today's world, it's like, hey, it doesn't matter. We can live together. We'll just stumble into it. Who cares? No. Right now, single people hear me. Like never before, you need the biblical pattern of two 
become one under God. If you've been married for some time and you think, man, we're rocking along okay, here's the good news. We can all grow in a greater level of two becoming one. It's a passion of mine, quite honestly. I have more passion for this than I do pastoring Milestone Church. People closest to me know that. I care more about my marriage and my family and my kids than how many people listen to me on the weekends. I'm gonna tell you why I wanna offer some impartation. You say, well, that's good because you're a preacher. No, let let me impart something to you. It's what you care about too. It's what you care about too. It's what you're gonna care about at the end of this thing. See, I've sat on the deathbed with people at the end of their days. They're not talking about their 401k or that career accomplishment or that thing that you're driven toward and it's okay to enjoy life, but I today, by the impartation of the Holy Spirit, wanna elevate your perspective. I wanna lift it up to God's vantage point. You say, okay, Jeff, this is great. You're inspiring. You're obviously excited. What do we do? Let me tell you how you have God's plan for your marriage according to Ephesians 5.31. Number one, you have to clarify your picture of it. You have to decide, what's my vision? What's my blueprint? What will I use? I find so many people, they just stumble into this thing today with no help from the Bible. Pastors, a lot of times, are on the outside of many, many marital pictures today. Now, we deal with the implications of when things are broken down, but... Very seldom do we have that vision, that clarifying picture, because I found you move toward what you prioritize. I hear that right now to get married, you can get married cheaper, but the average person is putting a lot of vision, a lot of money. The average wedding in our culture is $33,900. That's a lot of cake. Photographer's getting blessed. Preacher gets a gift card to Chicken Express. But anyway, (laughs) there's a lot of vision for that. I've been at a lot of those. There's usually a wedding coordinator who has the responsibility that the vision is achieved with impeccable accuracy. They could use ministry sometimes. I'm just saying, if you're a wedding coordinator, they could use. Chill out just a little bit. But they're trying to make it perfect because this is the big day. I want to tell you, a lot of people have a lot of vision for the wedding, for the idea of being married. The easiest thing you'll ever do is go down to the local courthouse, fill out some paperwork, go through a waiting period, and get married. People say, man, I mean, we're just in love. We're We're feeling it. This is all fireworks, man. Our marriage is made in heaven. Let me tell you, it may be made in heaven, but it's going to be built right here on planet Earth. And it's going to require a vision that says, if I feel opposite, if I think opposite, if I see anything opposite, I am committed to whatever is required. I know this about you because I'm the same way. Whatever you get a vision for, you will put everything else to the side to pour into that. The problem in our culture is we have more vision for our hobbies. We have more vision for our 401k. We have more vision for our toys. We have more vision for our children's activities than we do our marriages. And 65 to 70% are saying, it's not working, it's breaking down. Get more vision for it. Get a clarifying picture that says, you know what? I'll quit my job. I won't take a growth opportunity to prioritize my home if I need to. I'll do whatever it takes 
to sell out to see this happen. Now, I've done a fair amount of marriage counseling, and when I see them, see, pastors, we don't get to be a part of it many times. I encourage some of you young people, get some spiritual counsel beforehand. We're not always a part of that, but we get to be there when the plane crashes. So we're there picking up the pieces. We go dig up the black box, and I find usually two individuals saying, I don't know what happened. I don't know how this happened. And as I start to uncover and I begin to ask questions, I say, what was your vision? What was the blueprint? What's the highest voice? What's the authority that you will submit to? Then a lot of times I'll say, well, I wanna help you, but I know from many years of experience, you won't do probably what I ask you to do. They say, oh, pastor, we'll do it, we'll do it, but we're in trouble, we'll do it. I'll say, we'll do this. Well, we can't do that. Okay. Because see, having a great marriage, it's, it'll cost you. It'll press on some things. It'll be counterintuitive. It'll alter your lifestyle. You'll look like an alien, crazy person in today's world if you say, that's my vision, that's my priority, and it'll make you move in a certain direction that you see as the priority. Here's number two. We gotta navigate some of the problems in marriage. We live today where we have accessibility to cultural narratives that are caustic to the Bible's picture. You say, what am I talking about? Well, I hit one with single people. Well, I'll, I'll settle down one day. Now I'm gonna live my life, and then one day I'll settle down with the right person. No, 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 no. I wanna say to every single person, you're building your marriage now. You're building it now by your submission to Christ. You're building it now by forming your character. You're building it now by letting God begin to deposit in you the things that you need to serve this other person and to live this lifestyle. Culture says, no, ho, no, just do this, and then one day you'll quote unquote settle down. The other big one in our world today is love yourself. This is the dominant cultural narrative of today's culture. Dominant, it's always been a problem, but it's never been more dominant. I mean, there is a toxic culture of self-love. Toxic culture of self-love. I mean, we even as well-intended Christian people say, you know what you need? You need some self-esteem. There's only one problem with that. It's not in the Bible. The Bible says, as we've learned in Ephesians, I don't need any self-Jeff identifiable esteem in Jeff because Jeff can't esteem Jeff, but I can be everything God says I am that I am his child, that I, am an, I have an inheritance in him, that I am blessed by him, so I can have what he says I am. Love yourself is what our culture says. Self-help is the number one section of the bookstore. It's so well intended. Love yourself, give yourself a day, live your truth, live for what you do. There's only one problem, can you listen to me as a pastor, every person listening online? Family doesn't work on self. Family does not work when self is the main thing because that's why we have the picture in Ephesians 5. Sacrificial. The Bible doesn't say love yourself. It says deny yourself. Die to yourself. The marriage relationship is the most sanctifying relationship that you'll ever enter into. Anybody been married longer than two weeks and know what I'm talking about? That person can change you more into the Christ-like character of Jesus than anybody you've ever met on the planet. One author who actually said that actually said that when you talk to God about your spouse, 
He always wants to talk to you about you. Come on, Lord, I just want to have a venting moment here. Why, we don't need to talk about me. Love yourself is killing marriages in our culture. Forgive yourself. We've even said it as Christians. There's one problem. You can't forgive yourself. Jesus Christ, his blood can wash your soul clean. He can forgive you, but you yourself do not possess the power to do it. That's why we need Jesus. I fell out of love with them. I fell out of love. So see, if you can fall in love, then you can fall out of love. I'm not dismissing that there's a relational dynamic, there's a, a physical attraction, there's a connection, but the truth is our definition of love is not a biblical definition. Go read 1 Corinthians 13. That doesn't sound as much like the romantic, I didn't marry my soulmate, that's the wrong person, they're not my type. It's way more that I prioritize a Christ-like love for this person and as I prioritize that, my emotions begin to follow the choices that I make, but I can't make the choices unless Jesus helps me. That's why you have to have Jesus in your marriage. When Jesus gets involved, then you start finding yourself going, I'm responding different than I want to. And man, how the two become more one when we do that. Here's a big one. We think a lot in our world today, again, that if we had a better lifestyle, if we had more opportunities, if we had more choice, if our kids were smarter, better, more athletic, then that would change and make us more happy. It would change our lifestyle. I, I, wanna, I wanna say this, and I hope you're hearing my heart. This is coming from a heart of a pastor who deals with this every single day. We have to stop worshiping our kids. We have to stop making, they make for great, exciting parts of our lives, but they make for terrible gods. And I can't tell you how many families I've counseled with that if they had half as much vision for becoming more one as they do for every other activity that they have for their children. I'm not against developing your kids. I'm not saying that, but it's out of balance in our culture. I mean, we think, man, if I don't get them on that ball team in this tutoring, they will not get to that Ivy League school. They won't be this athlete. Their life will be ruined. Our parents didn't even know where we were. When I whistle, come home. I'm not saying don't pour into your kids, but I'm just saying this. Let's keep it in perspective. Let's keep it in perspective. Let's focus on and make sure that the greatest thing you give your kids, the greatest thing you ever give your kids is a love for Jesus and a love for your spouse. Paul will follow this up and talk about children obeying parents and the promise that's attached to their life. It doesn't say in the word, if they graduate from an Ivy League school, their lives will be blessed, but it does say if they obey their parents, they will be. They will be blessed if they have obedience there. So your relationship can impact that heart. I'm sorry. I don't like the devil to win. I don't like him to win in your life. The Bible has answers. Here's number three. Apply the practicals to help your marriage. You go, Jeff, get real practical with me. Well, the first practical I would give you if you say, look, I gotta get to a different place because we're not in a good place, would, would be to really look at your relationship with Jesus. I know that sounds preacherly. I talked to one of our pastoral care guys, Pastor Steve Pulley, this week. And I asked him, because we've done all these thousands of text messages and we've had people come and say, I gotta have help, I need help. We have an environment on Monday night where we put people in this environment. And I said, Steve, talk to me about what's working. 
talk to me about what you're doing for these families when they show up. He said, well, pastor, the first thing we do is we ask them to tell us where they are spiritually. I didn't even know he did this. I said, Steve, tell me why you do that. He said, because we've seen a direct correlation to where they are in their spiritual relationship with God. Not being religious, not I subscribe to the man upstairs, but a dynamic personal relationship with Jesus. I said, really, you do that? He said, yeah, well, I give them a survey, and they take a survey. Tell me where you are in your relationship with Jesus spiritually. Number one, I'm like one step from hell. Number 10, well, I just shouldn't even be here. I'm just on cloud nine. He said, most people say three or four. I'm about a three or four in my spiritual relationship with Jesus. I said, so what do you do about that? He said, we start talking to him about the foundations of the word of God, submission to Jesus, repentance, lordship, surrendering their heart, salvation by grace. See, one who receives grace can offer grace. One who receives forgiveness can offer forgiveness. I said, tell me what happens. He says, six weeks of living in the atmosphere of other people reinforcing that spiritual relationship, six weeks of studying, not mind-blowing concepts of the word of God, but the basics of biblical Christianity. We see them surveyed in six weeks and say, I'm at a six or a seven. And what we see happen is, as their spiritual relationship with Jesus changes, their response to this other person begins to change because it's a mystery. It's a supernatural life that only happens with the help of Jesus. Here's the next thing I wanna say to you because it's not easy. It's actually counterintuitive. What do I mean by that? Most of what you feel, you need to do the opposite. Most of what you feel is gonna be the flesh, so you've gotta, most of the time, you gotta go, okay, I gotta do the opposite of what I would naturally do because what I naturally do is not love my wife like Christ loved the church, respect my husband. I naturally am gonna lean this way. It's counterintuitive, so I always like to tell people, go first. Because the cycle in the relationship has to be broken by someone. Someone has to say, I'm gonna go first, I'm gonna lead out in this regard. So here's some very practicals, treat your spouse this way that said in Ephesians 5.31, no matter how they treat you. Think about, here's a good one, this is, we could all do this this week, and man, it's dynamic to become one. Think about three specific things you admire about your spouse and tell them. Now, let me bring y'all into counseling. This is, this is a little trick of the trade. Man, they've got a list of every bad thing, and he this, and she that, and blah, 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 and sometimes I'll just, I'll just try this. I'll be like, why'd y'all get married in the first place? He's a loser. No, I don't say that, but I mean, I, boy, but boy, let, let me say something about him. Then she'll be like, now, I mean, hold on a minute. I mean, wait a minute. Now, I said, well, why'd y'all get married in the first place? Well, he was, he was just so cute. You'll see him kind of go, oh. Well, well you know, he, he, he's not where he needs to be with God, but he's a good man. He works hard. He this, and you just watch his shoulders start coming up, and you know what you start seeing happen? And then he says, but she is such a good mom. She's this, she's that. I love, and I, I love her passion. And as they start saying those things, and they start communicating that way, what happens to? The enemy wants you to stay too. The enemy wants you to fortify your position. Two, become one. Think about some things related to your spouse. We could all do that. Here's the next, be secure enough to offer to your spouse what you feel you need. So you, you begin to offer even when you feel like, man, they should be offering this. The biblical marriage is, I'm gonna offer it to you. That's biblical Christianity, by the way. I'm gonna offer to you what you may not be offering to me 
because Jesus offered to me what I didn't deserve, what I never could have expected, because that's how Jesus relates to me. I'm gonna offer it to you. Here's one that I've been learning the last several years to get better at. Love them the way they receive love, not the way you give it. How many of y'all married somebody different than you? Come on now, my wife, the older we get, the more we're the same, but we're just at core personality types and likes. We are different. I mean, it's just, just I know it's been therapeutic for y'all. We did family pictures this week, family fall photos. You're like, Jeff, why do you talk about that so much? Because I, I disdain everything about it. I just do. I just, I don't like having to get dressed up. I don't like having to go to a park and sit on a couch with people out there taking photos today. Whatever happened to Olin Mills? Praise God. <laughs> Pull something down. It's hot out there. Let's get us in the air conditioning. You know, four or five years ago, my wife goes, you don't make it fun. And there was a reason because there was a couple. We were over in Irving. There's a moat. We're doing this deal. We took the dog. The dog jumped in a mud puddle. And there I am, and the kids are upset, and the clothes are disheveled, and there's a couple floating like Venice. There's somebody there. They're, they're floating down, and, they, and, they're, and they're about, and I said, what are y'all doing? They said, we're about to get engaged. I said, don't do it. It ends up here. This is where it ends up, right here. Stop now. Brandy said, Jeff, you need to change your attitude. I said, yes, ma'am. You don't make it fun. I said, because it's not fun. She's like that. She likes the photos. She likes Christmas trees. She likes decorating the Christmas tree. I think, can we just take the thing, leave it decorated, put it out like this? It's Christmas, praise God. Yeah, let's just stick it back out there. Can we just leave the lights up all year long like we used to in the 70s? She likes all that. She's domestic and mom and let's have cocoa. And I found... If I'll love her in the areas where she receives love, she begins to reciprocate in areas where I receive love. It's what happens. You have to love them the way they receive love, not just how you receive it. I know this about you. Every, most of the people listening to me, you don't let life just happen to you in other areas of your life. You happen to life. Start happening to this like you do everything else. Start focusing on this like you do everything else. I want to tell you a final story and pray for you, okay? Here's a story. This is a common story, very classic characteristics, and I blurred out the photo. It's not the family, and the reason I'm not putting the family is they're new into this. I celebrate with them, but I'm always a little cautious and sensitive to the Holy Spirit because there's kids involved, there's family members involved, and I just want to be sensitive because they're on their journey, okay? They would let you see their story, but I just want to be sensitive to it. So I just felt a little check to go, hey, but I want to tell you, this is a real family. And the reason I tell you this is every single week, we're seeing marriages and families changed by the power of Jesus Christ. It can happen. This family, here are the facts. I asked this week through our pastoral care department, tell me about a story recently where Jesus has shown up and this happens all the time. They had attorneys involved. I mean, it was at the end. We're talking about we were in crisis mode. The plane, <laughs> husband had addiction issues and behavioral challenges. The wife was ready to give up. Parents were concerned about the situation. See, that's the thing. 
this kind of stuff, it affects and touches everybody that's involved. The daughter wasn't going to church. The son actually plays college football for one of the large universities in the state of Texas. And I heard that and I said, look, that looks like it's hopeless. That looks like it's at the end. And while I was listening to the story this week, I said, but God, like that. They said, funny, pastor, that you said, but God, because that's what the wife has said ever since Jesus got involved in this marriage and relationship. Now, after God and after that, they started going to church together, which, listen, don't minimize that. Just getting in a Bible preaching, get under the word of God, it's amazing how that begins to change you. We minimize it in today's world. Everything else takes the priority and we're cratering in the areas that matter most because we're not prioritizing the things that can help us with what we really care about. Started going to church together. Amazing how that'll change somebody. The husband's now leading a united group. Not just some random group, he's leading it in his home. The wife can't believe what's happened. Their marriage has changed. The parents actually from out of town are so amazed at what God's done in the life of their kids that they've stayed here because of what God's doing. I don't know if that's good or bad, but anyway, I mean, everybody's involved. The daughter's going to our youth program and loves it. I loved this, I thought about it. The son from college is zooming in to listen to his formerly a year ago addicted dad whose home was blowing up teach the Bible. But God, but God who can make two become one. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me today. I believe there's some of you listening to me right now. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, here's my life. I don't know, you may have been to church a thousand times or it may be the first time you've ever heard me talk. But I wanna tell you, Jesus loves you right where you are, not on the basis of what you've done or ever have done or even the religious things you've done that he says don't matter, they're garbage anyway. Religious stuff done outside of him is all just empty works. There's a Jesus who can transform you from the inside out. A Jesus who loves you, and if you would just say yes to him. You say, is it a big, profound prayer? No, it's from your heart. And you just say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead, and I accept you now as my personal Lord and Savior. Become my Jesus. Come into my life and heart. And if you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know whether online, reach out to the people online or here in the room or in the video venues. We wanna help you get started in that relationship with Jesus. But I wanna pray for a second person and that is there's some of you, you're at a broken place. And Jesus, I'm asking you to go beyond my words. I'm asking you to heal and restore. I believe there's maybe someone listening to me right now as you said, Jeff, you don't understand our situation. The devil will always lie to you and say, my situation is more complex and different. Look, every situation is different, but no situation is outside the touch of Jesus. His hands are not too, his arms are not too short to heal. The Bible says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So I speak the truth of God's word to you that the two can become one. And Jesus, I ask you to touch hurting marriages wherever anyone is listening under the sound of my voice. Third of all, if you're married, I'm gonna ask you just to grab the hand of your spouse right there if you can, maybe online or anywhere, wherever you're at. Lord Jesus, I pray over marriages right now in this place, online, the enemy's assault in our culture, the attack of the lies of the enemy, the pressures of the way we do life, 
A lot has changed. Some has been good in the last 25 years, but I believe there's more pressure than ever. And I ask you right now to build a shield around every marriage. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your word would go into their hearts so strong and all of us that we would live a sacrificial lifestyle that makes two become one. Bring a greater level of intimacy and change in this most important areas of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.